Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the 6th round of the UCI Cyclocross World Cup which took place in Overijse and it was muddy. True Cyclocross conditions and the men's race didn't let us down. Isam, thank you for being here to discuss the racing. Yes, thank you for having me. Excited about this podcast for sure. Yeah, before we get the going, an epic race today in Overijse, but we are expecting another epic race later this year in Benidorm. Benidorm is hosting the first Spanish World Cup in over a decade, and you have to be there. Use the code CXSOCIAL for 20% discount on your tickets for the historic Benidorm World Cup to miss, well, to not miss any bit of the action. On to the action of today in Overijse. The men's race got underway and it was Lars van der Haar who had the fastest start. But in the middle of the pack, Tom Pitcock, who needed to start on the second row, had a chain drop. He was in last place and quite some meters behind the field as well. And then he went on a charge. From last, he went all the way to third in the first lap. He was then 20 seconds down on the leading duo of Powersauze. Michael van Turenhout and Elise Beat had opened the gap. Pitcock did not hesitate and he closed that gap as well. So that meant that we had three leaders. The Paul Sauser riders van Turenhout and Isabiet and Pitcock. Isabiet was the first victim of the high pace that Tom Pitcock was setting. He got dropped. And then we went into an interesting situation. We had Pitcock and van Turenhout together. Pitcock was the stronger on the uphills. Van Turenhout was the stronger rider in the technical downhill sections. Pitcock was putting van Turenhout under pressure. He opened the gap when Van Turenhout made a small slip in the downhill. And then we were thinking, oh, maybe the race is over. Pitcock going to take the win? No, Van Turenhout kept fighting and came back. Then it happened the opposite way. Pitcock made a mistake. Van Turenhout opened the gap, but Pitcock came back. And then when we went into the penultimate lap, still these two leaders. Pitcock launched an attack on the uphill, opened the gap, but then in one of these steep downhills, he crashed. We couldn't see how it happened because the cameras were facing the other direction, but he was 12 seconds down. Van Turenhout looked to have it all in the bag as he dragged that gap to 15 seconds and there was talk of Pitcock needing to do a shoe change. However, Pitcock did not change his shoe and started chasing. He gave his absolute everything in the final lap. He came very close in the final part. Two seconds, but he ultimately didn't close the gap. Michael Van Turenhout, the European champion, wins in Overijs ahead of Tom Pitcock. And behind, Isabiet had had a puncture, dropped back, and that meant that Lars van der Haar, with a very good final part of the race, was able to overtake Laurens Zweig and take the third spot on the podium. So, Isam, the win here for Michael van Turenhout. What a fantastic race. Give us your thoughts on the racing before we start and analyze it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, um, Pitcock, the worst start that you could imagine for him you know, that happened, and but just the way he went through the field only in lap one already alone, I think, um, which, you know, was very impressive, and from there you could already see that he was going to be, you know, fighting for, for, for the top places and, and fighting for victory, and the race overall was, was really, really enjoyable to watch, especially the, the later phases of the race, and you know, with that crash, I think it became even the tension only grew in my opinion, and it became uh, maybe a better race than if if Pitcock didn't crash, because I think that Pitcock overall, despite Van Turnout being a little bit better in the in the technical parts, or at least some, eh, because I think that Pitcock definitely today looked way stronger technically on his bike. An epic battle, a battle that you could have an if about it with with the crash of, of Pitcock, but it was definitely a very nice battle to watch. 
Yes, certainly the race delivered and as you say, Pitcock looked much better on his bike than yesterday. And that was a bit weird because in these conditions, my pick for this race was Michael van Turenhout. He took the win in the end and I had expected Pitcock to be a lot more uncomfortable in the downhills. However, he had the control of his bike, he was sending it and maybe it's more of his mountain bike experience that he can rely on for these type of corners that is just sending it downhill ridiculously quick. Whereas yesterday in Merck's Plus it's completely different than what you have to do on a mountain bike. That's the only thing I can imagine because I've said it a couple of times, there's a big difference in the technical aspect of downhills and the technical aspects of corners and the downhill corner part is a bit in between. But today was more about the downhill part and Pitcock did that super well today. However, Van Turenhout was still slightly better. But Van Turenhout, well, he was paying the price for being left-handed. There were two tricky sections on the corner and one of them was after they had done this long climb with the boomerang corner on the top. They had this downhill with these big Etias blocks there. Because he is left-handed, he had to get off on the other side of the bike and the other rider. So Pitcock, he could dismount below his bike and Van Turenhout needed to dismount above his bike. He was struggling there every lap and that makes sense simply due to the fact that he is left-handed and the pressure completely goes off his bike if you step off your bike above your bike. Whereas Pitcock can step below his bike and really use his bike to hold his balance. That was also where Van Turenhout made the mistake in the early phase of the lap or in the early phase of the race and went down on his knees and Pitcock was able to open a gap. But we have to admire the willpower of Van Turenhout to keep going because if you are 5-6 seconds down on Tom Pitcock it requires a lot of mental strength to keep telling yourself keep going I can close this gap keep going I know he might be stronger uphill but he's going to make some mistakes keep going keep going that's impressive no Pitcock um, when he was at the front of the race halfway through when he joined the, the two in front uh, likes of uh, Van Turenhout and, and Iserbeet and he, you know, he dropped Iserbeet the moment he really started to pull ahead. I thought that for Van Turenhout it was going to be, you know, the same. Um, but Van Turenhout really, you know, kept kept going quite well and was able to to maintain that pace of Pitcock. He didn't really crack, and uh, I think that for that alone, that was already a very um, great effort. And on parkour like this, it's very easy to make a mistake. And, you know, mistake was made by Pitcock. Van Turnhout still had the legs to make sure that he could maintain the, the advantage that he had. I think that Pitcock was definitely a bit compromised by the crash and lost some time just after that crash because, you know, for a moment I thought that um, that the race was completely over. But then Pitcock uh, found some um, some courage left, right and center and thought I want to show show the fans that I'm uh, that I'm a fighter and that I want to keep going and he did exactly that and it was uh, very close but in the end Van Turnhout just had enough to uh, to secure the win. Purely based on form I would say Pitcock was the strongest because the amount of effort he had to put in in the first lap was insane. The way that he was overtaking riders left, right and center, he was putting up the same pace as the leaders after his chain dropped but then you need to factor in that he was not only racing in clean air like Van Turenhout and Isabit were doing. No, he was overtaking 40-ish riders. So that was super impressive and certainly cost a lot of energy. I do think that Ineos might need to look a bit into their gear and material because Prevost, when she started her cross season, also had issues with her chain. Pitcock for the rest didn't have too much issues, but it's something they definitely need to check because 
yeah, it's not something that should be happening this often, and now it's two times that it happens with a Pinarello. Maybe it's just a coincidence, but it's something worth checking out. For the rest, yeah, I can still see that Pitcock is a bit rusty. You have this downhill corner, it was I think just after the pit, and it was this 90 degree left-hander downhill rutted with water in it. You could see that Pitcock there didn't have the same level of confidence and control as Van Turenhout. And on other lines, Van Turenhout was riding more natural cross lines, going super wide, sharp line, wide on the other side to really try and find any form of grip, which Pitcock wasn't doing. He was just following the dry lines. His tire thread and pressure looked to be a bit lower than Van Turenhout, so he was able to get away with that. But yeah, the cross feeding is improving significantly. It was a fairly good race. But it's still not 100% there, and keep in mind, with the climbing that we had today, it was a good course for Pitcock, but also a good course for Van Turenhout. And then, yes, Pitcock might be the strongest, but on a course like this, in muddy conditions, it's not only about being the strongest. It's about the Fouterlast. It's a Dutch word again. It's the pressure to not make any mistakes. The rider who makes the least mistakes wins, and in the case of Pitcock, he made too many mistakes compared to Van Turenhout, who made maybe two or three mistakes, and... Only one of them was serious when he went down on his knees and eventually came back. The other ones, well, that comes to the part of timing. Are you able to deliver when it matters the most? In the case of Pitcock, he was riding a basically flawless race, but when it mattered the most, when he opened the gap, that's when he started making mistakes. The crash, but also in the final lap in this 90 degree downhill corner, which I just mentioned, he made a slip there. Earlier, he also made a gearing mistake out of that corner. So these are things that Pitcock needs to work on. If you want to beat Michael Van Turenhout, because Van Turenhout was in great form and he delivers and I would say a more than deserved win for him. And we can talk long about Pitcock, but Van Turenhout also deserves some of that attention. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, the performance today from Van Turenhout was truly uh, very, very good. And like you said, it was a course that suited him uh, best yeah, before the race. I definitely thought that he was one of the guys that, that definitely could fight for um, for the top spot. And uh, he delivered. He made sure that he was uh, up there, you know, over the race. Didn't make that many significant mistakes compared to, to Pitcock. And then that last lap from him was also yeah, super good because I think that Pitcock definitely gave it his all. And he was able to, um, you know, to keep the gap that he had or at least make sure that uh, you know Pitcock was not going to overtake him in the last lap, and he did a, a tremendous job uh, keeping that uh, the gap. Yeah, and it's really telling for Michael van Turenhout. He really made steps the last couple of years. I remember in the 2020-2021 season when he won his first classified race in Merksplas, then also won the World Cup in Tabor. That's really when we've seen a new Michael van Turenhout. The years before, Van Turenhout was this rider who was always on and around the podium, always between second and fourth, and occasionally second, third, winning some smaller races, but he was always just on the podium or just off the podium. But ever since that win in Merckx+, he started delivering more, and he's improved himself and really made that step that he needed to make in order to become a rider that could win on the courses that suit him. And Overijse, it's a course that came relatively close to Namur, especially in the conditions we had today. It's no surprise that he wins Namur for the second year in a row and then wins Overijse here, which is a course that leans close to that. He deserved that win and we could see during the race that Jurgen Mettepenning was really cheering him on and he was going wild, running with Van out every lap. He started to run faster to keep up with him for longer. He was screaming louder. 
think somewhere halfway through the race he was shouting like come on this is for you today and i was thinking well ambitious but this is what you need to tell to your rider at this moment you need to give him the confidence that he can do it he closed that gap to pitcock he has the momentum and i think that that moment which again has come to support through the point of timing pitcock made the mistakes at the wrong moment Van out didn't make mistakes at the right moment. If he made another mistake when he was behind Pitcock and the gap was 5-6 seconds, he doesn't close the gap. Mentally, you're snapped, you don't see the rider in front of you anymore, it's over. Once he opened the gap, Van out didn't make any mistakes anymore. And in the final part of the race, yes, Pitcock came closer, but I do feel that Van out at that point was also factoring in a bit of extra margins in the corners to not make any mistakes. Especially in the later part of the, um, the race when Pitcock made the most gains on that gap. It was visible that Van Turenhout was not taking all the risks in the world. And Pitcock definitely was taking a lot of risks there. Thank God that he didn't um, crash again or, or had any damage there. Because that, that was a lot of risk that he took there in the last lap. Maybe a bit unnecessary, but that's the way he likes to ride. So, you know, it's also very exciting to, to, to watch. And I think that in the end... You know, Van Turenhout knew that the gap was enough as long as he didn't make any mistakes and he knew that he had enough in the in the tank to, to bring it home and get the victory. Yeah, Pitcock was definitely taking a lot of risk and was it necessary? Well, I don't mind it. If he was leading the race, I would say, hey, take it easy. But he still wanted that win and you could see his face after the line. He was really upset that he didn't win the race and that's the killer mentality that these champions have. I think that Van Turenhout would also be fuming if he had lost this race by just a few seconds. Pitcock wanted the win, gave it his all and it wasn't enough today. Without the chain drop, well, another race, but it's unfortunately part of the game. Yes, he's unlucky. Yes, it cost him a lot of energy. Yes, probably it would have made a difference but i think that he has more himself to blame than his chain because he pulled back from a lost position after that chain drop and then ultimately threw it away himself so if he hadn't made that mistake and if he would be like 20 seconds behind the whole race because of that then i would have said okay without the chain drop fair enough but because he already came in a position where he was able to make something from it again i think he needs to blame himself more for that crash which was in a weird position to crash as well Let's take a look then at the riders who were fighting behind the leading duo. We had Eli Izebit there for a while until he punctured. Izebit in the end holds on to his World Cup overall lead by just one point over Sveik. Sveik was in third, eventually got passed by Van der Haar who ended third. There were some other youngsters in between there. Thibaut Nice was in the fight for the podium for a while. Ron Haar was third in the beginning of the race. Out of those riders there, who did impress you the most throughout the race, Hissan? Van der Haar, you know, had had a good start and then kind of, I wouldn't say faded, but was in a position that I was thinking that it was going to be very difficult for him to end up on a podium. Obviously, then Ezerbeet had that puncture and he had the puncture for, for quite, a, quite a while. So, he, you know, you lose some energy there as well. I think that, you know, with him gone, Sveik was, was fighting for that um, first spot. You had Ronhar, obviously, that looked very good midway in the race, but then faded maybe because he um, had given just a little bit too much mid halfway through. Yeah, then I think for him, Van der Haar definitely, um, I wouldn't say impressive third place, but definitely a very good result. And uh, then you cannot look over the guy that finished in fifth, Nieuwhuis. I think that's for him. You know, he keeps on uh, going with these good results and 
it's not a shocker in a way, but you have to keep, you know, scoring those results and make sure that you you finish well within the top ten. And he every race proves uh, proves everybody that he is able to finish within a top five or a top ten. And you know he's doing a tremendous job this season so far. And it, you know, I think that definitely he is uh, maybe the the guy that impressed me the most. Yeah, I think one of the things you point out is the difference between the experience of Lars van der Haar and the inexperience of the young guns Thibaut Nijs and Pim Ronhaar. Ronhaar was definitely getting ahead of himself in the early phase of the race. He was third. He saw the leading duo of Powell South up the road and tried to close that gap, tried to go with Tom Pitcock to close that gap and then blew up and fell back quite spectacularly even in the end of the race because... With just a couple of laps to go, he was still running a fifth, but then Isubit, Nieuwehuis and Thibaut Nice passed him. So he ended up in eighth, which was a bit of a blow for him. I think he would have wanted to do better, but he can learn from this to try and maybe pace his race more. But maybe there was some incident throughout the race that we didn't know about. We don't know. We didn't see anything of that group. Or, well, we did see things, but not everything. It's an overall trend that we saw that Thibaut and Pim, both very talented riders and that they are very good and that these are courses they will do well on in the future. But even for for Thibaut, after Pim Ronaar lost the third spot to Thibaut, it was Thibaut Nice who was pacing there and putting on the pressure and getting ahead of himself. He was the first one to overtake Isabit, but then after the 40-minute mark, he also dropped back a little bit. Still, a sixth place is very good. Uh, eighth place for Ronhaar is also good don't forget that he's still getting top 10s in the elite category when he is technically a last year on 23 although he made the step to the elite category so these are things they can learn it's a learning curve you can't expect things to go flawless every week and a six and an eighth is definitely results they can be satisfied with and especially Thibaut Nice I mean he was just off that fifth place was just unlucky with a very strong new house coming through the race but yeah, it's a big difference where you can see that riders like Zweig and Van der Haar know the maximum of their abilities and know if they go over it on a course like Overijse, they're going to be in trouble. They're going to be blowing up and falling backwards. Whereas Thibaut Nijs and Pim Ronaar definitely look to go above their maximum level and go in the red and not have anything left in the second half or final third part of the race. And that's definitely something that Van der Haar and Zweig did better. And ultimately Van der Haar edges out Zweig for that third spot on the podium any thoughts on that battle between those two Sveik definitely made sure that he with the experience that he had you know made sure that he got through the race quite nicely but it's just not really the a course for for Sveik I mean yesterday we already said that that he is in a very good form so it wouldn't be a surprise if he was going to fight for a podium yeah he just missed out on a podium but he was um, not really that far off for the third spot but I think that just in the end it was a bit a little bit too tough for him and for Van der Haar the course is quite good but it's just maybe a bit too tough for him you know we have seen European championships as well that in Namir when it becomes a bit too muddy and you have these sections as well that Van der Haar he doesn't really like that that much it's for him it's uh, better when there is some climbing but it is a bit faster than it was today and but I think that in the end, uh, he is also a guy that's in a very good form. And even on a course that doesn't really suit him, he's still able to uh, to bank in uh, the the result. And I think both of them you know, had a very good race. And that was maybe a bit the difference between uh, Van der Haard and finishing in third and Sveik uh, managing fourth. Yeah, I think fourth is definitely a 
decent result for Swake, especially considering the puncture for Ezerbeat, because these two are locked up in a fight for the World Cup. And this is a course where you would normally expect Ezerbeat to take some points on Swake. And that doesn't happen, and I don't think Ezerbeat had a bad race. I think that he was unlucky with the puncture. After that, yes, okay, his head maybe went down a little bit, but if you're riding half of a lap on a flat tire, that will hurt your legs a lot. And he needed to run a lot as well uphill because he just couldn't move with that flat tire, got overtaken by a lot of riders. But he was able to follow Nieuwenhuis and basically keep up with the same pace. And that was definitely not a bad pace, so he made up a lot of time again and then moved up some positions. However, I have come to the conclusion that I don't like the point system of the World Cup. 40 points for a win, I would like that to move back to 80 points. And yes, okay, you can keep the skill the same, but the 80 points will make it more unlikely that riders are going to skip one race, or if they have one bad day where they DNF that they are still leading. The loss of 40 points is relatively small. Then the gap between 1 and 2 is still relatively too big, 10 points, and then the drop-off after that is just insanely small. It goes from a gap of 10 points between 1 and 2 to 5 points between 2 and 3, and then towards 3 and 4 is 3 points, and then it's just 1 point per place. So Sveik only gains a handful of points on Ezebeat, whilst there's quite some... Well, okay, I don't think you can use the time as a reference because that's just the nature of the course, but there are some riders between them, and that's only three riders, whereas if Ezebeat wins and Sveik is third, the gap is huge, it's 15 points, so it will definitely stay close, especially because if Van der Poel and Van Aert and Pitcock are in the best of their abilities, it's likely that they will take away the front places and that Ezebeat and Sveik will be fighting for the fourth places and below, where the gaps are super small between the places, but I would like to see that reshuffled a little bit because I feel that the balance is wrong at the moment. We also need to know that Michael van Turenhout, as he does take the win and plays two riders who are a bit irrelevant for the overall van der Haar as he skipped Fayetteville and Pitcock as it's his first World Cup between him, takes back almost 20 points on Sveik and over 20 points on Izerbeet. He's third in the overall and his gap on the lead is now 26 points. I don't think that Van Turenhout will be a major factor in the overall for the World Cup since we are going towards too many races that don't suit him. The upcoming three, Hulst, Antwerp, Dublin, probably also Valdisol are not courses for him. What do you think? Van Turenhout in contention for the overall or are we down to a two-horse race between Izebiet and Zweig? And you can also give your point, uh, opinion on the point system if you want. You know, if I go on the point system, I think that I agree with you on, on you know doubling the points and keeping the same kind of uh, yeah, point gap between each places. I think that 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 is definitely a good balance, and you know it will help the the the, the competition for sure to make sure that everybody is going to uh, do their best to start every race if you're going for the World Cup and. That will maybe help the men's category also make a little bit more choices and and, and not skip a lot of the World Cup races or some of it when riders are going to prioritize training camps and all that, these kind of stuff, I think. But in terms of now chances for the World Cup, I think that they are... I wouldn't say non-existent, but they will be. It will for him will be a little bit difficult. I think that the races that are coming up, indeed, like you said, are not really going to be something where he is a main favorite but 
I think that Izubit for sure is not looking very good. And the question will be, will he be able to, to pick it up from, from here? Because, you know, let's be honest, Merx Plus yesterday wasn't really a race either for Van Turnhout. Yet, Van Turnhout was able to uh, finish ahead of Izubit. So... I think that it is that it is still going to be an interesting fight, and it's uh, good that we have the three there up front. Van der Haar a little bit further back, but um, for Van Turnau, there are still some chances. And if he's able to, you know, go consistently through the season, who knows? He he definitely has a shot. Van der Haar will probably also still skip some World Cups. He said this isn't his priority, is leading the X2O trophy, and we know that's important for Golotso, which is then important for Balwa's trek. So I don't really factor him in, even if he would get some very good results in the upcoming weeks. I do think that, as you say, it's down to Izubit versus Zweig, unless Van Turenhout does something special. But I don't think that Izubit looked all too bad today. Because he was in third, and I think he would have gotten that third place if it wasn't for that puncture. But it is what it is, part of the sport, unfortunately. And the upcoming races certainly do favor our Lagerhans Zweig man in form a bit more, because they are a bit faster. On the other hand, Mathieu van der Poel is probably coming back next week in Hulst and also doing Antwerp. So then again, we come to if the big names take away the big points, Zweig can still be better, but the amount of points he takes will be limited. Let's look at our entire top 10 then. Michael van Turenhout taking his fourth win already of the season ahead of Tom Pitcock and Lars van der Haar. Zweig was fourth ahead of Nieuwenhuis and Nijs. Seventh place was for Izubiet ahead of Ron Haar. Ninth place was for Adams and the tenth place was for Kevin Kuhn. I would like to point out Joris Nieuwenhuis. I think you already discussed him briefly. But he put in a very strong effort and this week there was a lot of talk about Nieuwenhuis potentially missing the World Cup selection due to Macho van der Poel coming back. And it basically comes down to this. If you're in the top 50 of the UCI ranking and within the 8 best riders of your country, you're allowed to start the World Cup. If not, you need to be awarded a wild card and the amount of wild cards you have depends on how many riders your country has in the top 50. Long story short, in this case, the Netherlands has one extra wild card, and at the moment that goes to Nieuwenhuis. And if Mathieu van der Poel comes back, Nieuwenhuis would miss that. So there was a lot of talk about how Nieuwenhuis could miss half of the World Cups that are remaining, but in reality, if he put it put in two top seven performances, one in Overijs and one in Hulst, he would easily be in the top 50 of the ranking, and he delivered. Fifth place today, he's almost already in the top 50 of the ranking. Next week, he only needs a handful of points to move up two or three places, and he is secured of World Cup spots the rest of the season. So, big fuss for not all too much. Nieuwenhuis fifth, strong race, continuing a good trend. Same can't really be said for Felipe Ors, unfortunately. Did he blow up? I think the answer to that is pretty obvious, isn't it, Isam? Pretty obvious indeed. I mean... Uh... It looked very good for him for a lap, and uh, then uh, it was uh, going a little bit downhill. I guess that uh, it is easy on a course like this. If you have good legs, you can still, um, you know, if you just start a little bit too fast, it will uh, definitely hurt you over the course of the race. And that's that's what we saw with Orts. He probably felt good after yesterday. He was motivated. Or maybe the opposite, maybe didn't really feel gr feel great and was like, well, I just give it my all from the start and see where it ends up. And, you know, it ended up at the 18th, but I think that we shouldn't be too uh, too critical or anything on, on, his, on his performance. It's just, you know, it can happen, those races, you have a bad day and uh, it's for him on to the next one. 
Let's go and talk about the women's race then. Helene Clausel, she had the fastest start but was quickly overtaken by Puck Petersen. In the first downhill of the day after the pit zone, she sent it down and gave a masterclass. Look guys, this is how it's done. This is how you send it down. She opened a gap of 10 seconds alone in that downhill over Fem van Empel, who never really was able to bring up the fight to Puck Petersen today. Puck Petersen took better lines and towards the uphills. She, she took much better lines in the downhill. She was able to ride sections that Van Empel needed to run. Overall, it was just much better on the end of Puck Petersen today. Van Empel could only take back a handful of seconds on the uphill sections, but lost that in a single corner. Petersen, at the end of the first lap, already had a gap of 20 seconds. A lap after that was 35, and from there on, she kept building the gap. Van Empel went down a couple of times, and the gap went up to a minute. With a gap of a minute, Puck Petersen started to relax a bit and made a handful of mistakes herself, although those were very rare. Puck Petersen went on to win her first ever World Cup ahead of Fem van Empel, and the third place was to Shirin van Anrooy, who was basically on an island the entire race. But whoa, what a race that performance by Puck Petersen, it was a masterclass that was fabulous to look at. It was definitely fabulous to look at. I mean, um, from the start, eh? uh, she had a goal, and the goal was to, to go all, all out from the start and put everybody under pressure. I think that was only her, also her only chance, especially with a with a course like this. This is a course that kind of suits her in a way where you you know you don't need to count on 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 the power of the others. You can just you really focus on yourself, take the lines that you need if you're ahead in front. And she did everything um, almost perfectly, like you said. There were some small mistakes, but it was uh, nothing compared to what the rest was doing. There was a uh, big difference today uh, between her and the rest and she showed it in, in the results as well and it was uh, yeah great to, to look at yeah Puck was in a whole league of her own just a different league a class above the rest the way she was sending it through the downhills and especially the confident skill combination it was spot on she knew exactly how fast she could go sure you make a couple of mistakes that's normal here and especially in the second part when the pressure wasn't really on it as much and the tiredness started kicking in. There were a couple of more mistakes but still a very good and smooth ride. And it it was just telling. Yesterday we watched the pre-ride video of her and she went down there twice. But today none of that. And yeah, it's just telling for the rider Pukpitis is just so good technically and so confident that the others just didn't stand a chance. And... That downhill in the first lap, it was just something else. I don't recall ever seeing a rider stretching or creating such a big gap on such a short downhill section. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely good. And um, it, this was just a day where Van Empel very quickly realized that it was not going to be a day for her where she could fight for, for victory. And I think that, you know, even at the end of the first lap, she looked behind and that's most of the time a sign that you're not looking ahead but you're already worrying a little bit about what's going happening behind her van Anroy was able to to shadow her for quite some time but it was always there always was this this gap and it it never really came um, any closer she the gap always stayed kind of the same and then it grew a little bit and on a parkour like this it's very um you know the the gaps become just a little bit bigger than they would at a, at a race as max plus and it was just uh, 
yeah, just one of those races when it doesn't really go your way in the for Van Empel, where you really saw that she was struggling in uh, quite some sections and taking the wrong lines here and there. Yeah, then it's difficult for for her to um, you know get it back together. And I think that she managed well to to keep second place, and that was the highest achievable for her today. I think that goes for the whole top three, just the entire top three. They all came where they belonged based on their overall performance today. Brooke was just the best technically, strong uphill, but Fem van Empel was taking a bit of time out of her on the uphills, but that also has to do with tire pressure. Peterson was running 1.1 bar front, 1.2 bar in the back wheel, super low. Van Empel definitely looked to be running a bit higher, but it was just telling the way that Van Empel needed to run some corners, whereas whereas Puk Peterson was riding them. And then there were a couple of sections in the downhill where Puk Peterson could just carry much more speed. And every lap you saw Fem van Empel struggle in the big corner with the big Ethias blocks there in the downhill, bit off camber, awkward corner. Peterson a couple of times had some issues there. One time managed to push herself off against these blocks and get the going again, but it was overall much smoother than Fem van Empel. Van Empel was also taking some wrong lines, especially on this boomerang uphill corner. Peterson was riding the first two laps. Van Empel tried to take a wider line on the entry to that. It was like she was going over the leaves and that didn't work. And the lap after she tried it again and then it didn't work. And only then she started going to the more normal paved in line. And then she was able to reach the top. So overall, Peterson just also better in terms of line choices. A deserved win. Van Empel, I mean, I don't think she can blame herself for anything. She did what she could today. And there's no problem in acknowledging that somebody is better which she did after the race and she said well my hands were a bit cold my legs were a bit cold but overall Buck Peterson was just so much better you can't be the best every week so second place is still good and last week's winner Shirin van Anrooy in third also a solid result by her yeah definitely you know like 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 I said everybody that um, that was in the top three for all of them it's it's, it's they came on their places but they managed well and they despite the fact that they made the mistakes they were able to for the entire race to to you know keep it uh, keep it going and I'm interesting to see what's what this is going to bring for the next couple of races for in the likes of the balance between Peterson and van Empel because you know we had seen in the last couple of races that Peterson was definitely closing in on van Empel and but, but just, you know, the races that we had so far were a little bit more leaning towards Van Empel than they were for Peterson. It's it's going to be interesting what's what's the balance going to be after this. I mean, you're definitely going to gain some confidence after a race win. That might help her in, in the next coming races. And, you know, for Van Empel, it can be the opposite. A race, you know, she has been at the top for almost the, the, the entire season so far. Now second and and not not even close, you know. Well, what is that gonna do with with her in terms of confidence and you know what 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 the next couple of weeks will bring? I don't think that we will see a significant change, but you know it might actually play a role later uh, in the next coming weeks. On the men's side, there's all this talk about the big three. I think the women's side has a more clear or at least more fun big three in Puk Pietersen, and Van Embo and Shirin van Androoy. Of course, they are maybe not as clear in terms of performances, but in the future we will definitely see more battles between these riders and it's looking very fun. 
I don't think that this will really be a hit in anyone's confidence. Fem van Empel next week in Hulst, which promises to be a faster course, she will be just fine. Shirin van Androoy, don't see any issues for her as well. I mean, I think her form is definitely still improving week in, week out. She has her win. She's strong. Today we saw it again. Maybe not as confident in the downhills, running some sections as well. But that's all fine. I mean, not every week will be like Overijse. This course is pretty unique. It's one of the more climbing-heavy courses, and there's only a handful of them. I mean, when we go to Gavel, we will see something again, but with less technical downhills. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see. We know that Shirin van Androoy is capable of beating these riders, but it just, week in, week out, you can't expect one rider to be the best. Van Van Empel now two weeks in a row beaten. Don't think it will be too serious. She said she was feeling some tiredness now as well. Maybe some time for her to take a rest if that holds. She can't permit herself to a week rest. I mean, she's leading by 80 or 90 points even on Alvarado and 95 on Peterse. She can skip two races and still be leading. So if it's really something that's holding that the tiredness is kicking in despite a very light racing program, then it's maybe something she should look into. But for now... I don't think anybody needs to be worried. They are all doing fine, and as long as you can score a podium when you're still technically an under-23 rider, well, you're doing something right. Let's look at the entire top 10 then. Puck Petersen with the win ahead of Fem van Nempel and Sherin van Androoy. Fourth place was for Lucinda Brandt ahead of Zeyn del Carmen Alvarado and Annick van Alphen. Seventh place was for Clara Honsinger ahead of Helene Clausel. And the final two spots in the top 10 go to Inge van der Heide and Denise Betsema. Let's start off by talking about this big group for the fourth place, which we talked about. Brandt eventually coming in with the clutch in the final lap, taking that fourth place. That was somewhat unexpected if you watch the broadcast. I could see it coming a bit because I was watching the live timing screen. But she had an incident at the start. She missed her pedal or she stepped over it or something like that is what she said. But she almost did the same as Pitcock needing to go into the field as one of the last riders. She was around 30th position and then needing to fight her way up. Fourth It's definitely a further confirmation of what we saw on Merck's Plus where she also had a start incident. The form is improving and if she keeps making these steps towards her maximum potential, she is still in contention for wins. Yeah, I mean... Uh... It was, uh, in terms of broadcasting, it was a bit unfortunate the way we, we, we saw the battle unfold there. And it, it was a bit hard to follow. And, you know, for the broadcasters as well, it was, I think, difficult because they also had to focus on what they see. And, um, you know, the lifetiming is not always <laughs> what they look at. But I think that that's also in the interview, she was quite clear that, you know, she knows that she's still not on the level of the, the ladies that were in front of her. But she feels that she is in the right, going in the right direction, and she feels these improvements left and right. And it was visible today that she she has this fighting spirit, and she really wants to go for it, despite the fact that it is, you know, kind of a setback if you compare it to the form it was in the beginning of the season. But she's motivated, and uh, you know, in a good place, and. You know, the racing was also very good and she was able to, um, in the end, snatch fourth place, which I think personally, if she didn't have that bad start, would have been a little bit easier to get. Without a bad start, who knows? Maybe she could have even beaten Shirin van Anhoy, her teammate, or dare I even say Fem van Empel. It was definitely more of a diesel effort, but at the same time, I do think it's an interesting development. 
we have said like okay of course Brand is injured now so it's not really representative or she's coming back from an injury whatever you prefer but we said well when the courses get heavier let's wait and see maybe Brand can do better it's a shame we don't see the best Brand now but it's still what we said in the preseason podcast the younger generation Peter van Empel and van Androoy yes I will draw the generation line again they are taking over and this year should be the year that they battle with a fit Lucinda Brandt and a fit Foss. So far we haven't seen a fit Foss or a fit Brandt, or at least while well, after the US World Cups where we saw Brandt bringing up the fight. If that Brandt comes back in terms of form level, I think that today she could have been fighting for the win. I don't think she could beat Puck Peterson though. Puck Peters, her technique is simply too good. We know that Brandt has worked hard on her technique, but it still wouldn't have been good enough. It's just speculation what I'm doing now, but... It's a fun speculation because it's super interesting to see these young guns fighting it out with the somewhat older riders and yeah, it's fun. I enjoy it. I hope that we'll see many more battles and that Brandt, Foss and even an Alvarado who didn't have the best day today can reach the maximum of their potential and fight for the wins. That would be the most fun thing because it's super interesting to see these battles and the difference in skills where Pukpitas is just technically so good and then Fem van Empel has this insane kick. It's fun. What was also fun to see was that Anique van Alphen was actually fighting for that fourth place as well. She, well, lost quite a bit in the final end of the race, also had a crash, but fourth place, wow. She was even fighting for that. Normally we only see her towards the back end of the top 10 or even outside of it in these packed races, but super good race by Anique van Alphen. Yeah, definitely was, and in my opinion, a bit of a surprise, no? I think that she was... I wouldn't say struggling over the course of the season, but she, you know, didn't really have the connection for 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 a top five. She was struggling to get those top fives, and it was she was able to to get a couple in the smaller races. But you know, when everybody is there, it was a bit difficult for her. I think Neil was kind of her first fourth place. I guess that was the best result so far in 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 a representable good race. Now she was running quite well in 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 that position, but yeah, eventually then you have the <laughs> the TGV of uh, Brandt that uh, came past after a bad start, and yeah, then it's difficult to um, you know keep the, those women behind in the likes of Brandt and Alfarado with a little bit more experience. Maybe also because of uh, that experience, a bit tougher. Know that they can push it a little bit longer in those last laps, and for her it was just 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 a little bit too long and. I think that overall, with that sixth place, it it is only sixth. But I think it's uh, it, it, for her is a, it's more than only sixth place. I think that 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 the feeling definitely should be good. Uh, that the results, despite the sixth place, was was also definitely representable and very good. And you know, I hope for her that that is um, a line that will continue over the, the next couple of races, and that she's able to, you know, fight a little bit more for those top fives. Yeah, I do wonder if that's really something we will see or if this was a occasional super good day. I lean towards the latter. Of course, Anik van Off keeps making these steps and it's good to see her come up. It will cause definitely some issues for the Dutch national team when the selections need to be made. It's going to become so packed because now they with the how they award the slots for the world championships if Pietersen and Van Androoy race with the elite, whew, it's going to be so difficult to make that selection, but that's a different discussion. Her career has been going in an upwards trajectory for the best part of three seasons. 
I think I remember her when she was in these less packed races. I think I remember in Hama when she got a 10th place was the first time I noticed her. And then they improved and it improved. But 6 is definitely a standout performance here. I think that, however, it is a very good day on a course that should suit her. So, yeah, I don't look into it too much. I don't think that she will consistently be better than a rider like Betsema. Betsema was going pretty well in the beginning of the race, but then unfortunately started going backwards. For Betsema, I think the issue was the opposite of an Alpha. An Alpha was having all the confidence, sending it in the downhills. Betsema looked to struggle with that, made a couple of mistakes. I think she also crashed in the second part of the race. And the telling part of the race for Betsema was when she was at this s corner downhill in the mud before we went to the off camber before the finish when she was like off on the other side and then she needed to change the side from the bike and stood still for a couple of seconds it's just not something for betsma these conditions so again nothing too serious for betsma she was good yesterday maybe a bit of tiredness kicking in as well today but yeah it was all right she should hope that next week in hulst or bohm probably she'll do both because she's super good in the super prestige standings should hope for some different conditions and different courses and then she will be fine and move back upwards again. But yeah, I don't think that Anik van Alf is consistently going to be beating a rider like Betsema or Van der Heide who is also on a course here that doesn't suit her. So let's briefly talk about Clara Honsinger and Helene Clausel. What did you think about the race of Honsinger today, Isam? Hard to say, to be honest. I think that her start wasn't that bad and she was able to to get through you know within the the first 10 i think and then from there it's you know i hoped for a little more progression if it's the right word but i think that overall i think that her race wasn't it was you know promising if you look at it from a perspective that there are still a lot of races to come and the form is getting there definitely but I on a course like this i might have expected a little bit more from hunsinger but i don't know how you look at it I don't know. I think based on results, we would expect a bit more and the climbing course mud. Yeah, that should be something for Honsinger. But let's be honest, this course today was super technical with how the mud was there and the well changes to the course made the course a bit more technical. And yes, she has done pretty well here. I remember last year she was fifth here. And if we look back at the year before, she was just off the podium, I think fourth or fifth as well. So maybe you would expect her to do a bit better, but the form is definitely improving. We know that they're building in towards the World Cup or the December month and then the World Championships weekend. I think the EF riders are building form and yes, okay, we would have wanted Honsinger to do a bit better. She would have ideally been able to follow Brandt because they were together going into the final lap, but Brandt put in a super fast lap where Honsinger kept the same pace. I think that today the downhills were too technical for Honsinger. That's where she would have lost too much time. And that, I think, eventually cost her the opportunity of getting a better result. Where does Honsinger do the best? On the less technical, more full power efforts. Look at Koppenberg, look at Dendermond. Those are courses where the technique, or at least the downhill technique, isn't as important. Same goes for Namure, the downhills there at least in the last couple of years, don't get too muddy with the exception of one, two sections. So it's easier for her to limit the damage there than on today where the downhills made huge differences. think that in the end she did well to overtake Clausel, but Clausel, she blew up 
not as bad as Orts, but definitely a big blow up after she was also coming close to that group. She was 20 seconds off, closed the gap, then blew up and faded. Then let's take a look at some other races in Europe. The fourth round of the Coupe de France took place in Camor. Gerben Kuipers took the win ahead of Joshua Dubot and Valentin Guillon. The women's race was won by Anne Morichon ahead of Perrine Clausel and Amandie Vidouin. National Trophy Series took place in Peitingen in the UK today. Toby Barnes took the win ahead of Joseph Blackmore and Jensen Young. Annie Last won the women's race ahead of Millie Cousins and Katharina Wijak. Racing in Spain in NBC, Kevin Suarez Fernandez took the win ahead of Gonzalez Macho and Mario San Milan took the third place there. The women's race was won by Sofia Rodriguez River ahead of Lucia Gonzalez Blanco and Sara Cueto Vega. Racing all the way in Japan where Hirji Oda took the win in the Kansai Cyclocross Cup. He beat Toki Sawada and Hikaru Kosaka. The women's race was won by Iri no, this will not go right, but Iri Yonami, no, Yoname, and Yui Ishida with Sa Ogawa completed the podium. There was a C2 race in Slovakia. Victor van der Putten took the win ahead of Marek Konwa and Piet Uptegrove. Women's race was won by Kristina Zemanova ahead of Alessia Blieri and Pavla Hlavikova. The Norwegian Championships took place. It was Tubas Glende, who took the win ahead of Knut Romme and Tobias Haaland Johansen from UNOX, with the women's race being won by Elisabeth Sveum ahead of Anne Dorte Jisland and Stine Borgli. Then, finally, yesterday there was racing in North Carolina for the North Carolina Grand Prix in Hendersonville. Kerry Werner took the win in the men's elite race ahead of Tyler Orschel and Tobin Orteblad. The women's race was won by Yolanda Neff with a surprise return ahead of Caroline Mani and Lauren, Zor Lauren Zorner. That will complete this week's of coverage for the World Cup in Overijse. Isam, thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you for having me this weekend. We will be back this week with two episodes. On Tuesday, we are releasing an interview with the organizers of the CX Lago, a Spanish C2 race with some nice ambitions. And then on Thursday, we will be releasing a preview for the World Cup in Hogerheide, no, in Hulst. The World Cup in Hulst, not Hogerheide. Dutch World Cup H almost automatically makes me think Hogerheide, but we are going to Hulst with Mathieu van der Poel probably at the start, which we will release a preview for. Thanks everyone for listening and goodbye.